quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. You know what I don't miss at all? The vicious week before my period. I always used to feel like I was walking in quicksand and craving the most unhealthy of foods. My sleep was always off and my moods were unpredictable. Now it's easier to manage PMS with EstroControl. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality and it shows. And the biggest benefit, feeling like myself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 14,000 reviews of Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off the entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code PEACE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code PEACE for 15% off today. I came to parenting with everything I learned in childhood, yelling, punishing, controlling, and shaming. After trying almost every method, I found connective parenting and was totally shocked when empathy, listening, doing away with rewards and consequences, and being a safe place actually worked. It moved the behaviors of my children and it felt good, especially with my very strong-willed and highly sensitive oldest daughter. This podcast was born out of the idea of sharing the message and helping parents find more peace in a modern world. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. So glad you're here. Welcome back to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle, and I'm glad you've joined me today. I want to talk a little bit about giving advice. And when we give our children advice, what things can happen and what are the pitfalls and where can we do some work that might help us build in more connection and have fewer struggles with our kids when it comes to advice. So I don't know about you, but sometimes when my child is having a really hard time and they're explaining to me that, X, Y, and Z happened with a friend or they had a struggle at school around their homework or around something that they were learning. And I could feel them moving in the direction of either making a bad choice or failure or creating a situation where I know things might not go well. And that if I give my adult advice that I might keep them from making a mistake or help them learn how to do it better. And when my child is speaking in these ways and giving me these situations, I feel this kind of angst inside of me where I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to tell them X, Y, and Z. I have to keep them from making these mistakes because I know how detrimental this could be and their friend isn't going to like them anymore or it's going to create drama or if they just studied a little bit more, they would get a better grade or if they tackled the situation with a different idea, with my idea, with my adult ways to fix it, then they could avoid some pain. They could avoid a mishap. They could avoid a misstep or a mistake. And I think herein lies the problem is that we are so worried and so angst filled around our child making a mistake or doing something wrong that we feel this burning desire to tell them what to do, to give them opinion, to teach the lesson or to give them the advice that can save them from making these huge mistakes. And when this burning desire comes inside of us, it is almost as if it's a freight train. I know for me, like I I have to tell you because I'm really worried that something's going to happen. And we operate out of this place of fear 
And that operation out of that face of fear is, is not a good place to parent from. It's, it's actually not a good place really to live in. And we're living in our amygdala and we're living in our alert center. And so we're living in this idea that, you know, we have to fix it all and that we have to put out the fire. And I don't know if we're necessarily thinking that well, because we're ignited in a way. And if we can take a step back and think about it a little more globally, and if we can think, okay, my child is coming to me with this problem and I'm listening, but I'm really listening so that I can respond. I'm listening so that I can give them a fix. I can give them a correction. I can give them a solution. And instead, can we flip our script and flip our thinking? And can we just listen so that we can understand what's going on? Because we're also only getting a fraction of this interaction. We're only getting one side of the story. And although it's our child's side and I mean, a lot of parents will take their child's side and, and support them very ardently. And some parents will say, oh no, I know my kid and they, they've definitely had something to do with this. And, you know, it's probably their fault. So we come with our judgment in that way, right? Either our child is right or our child is wrong. And that is another way in which we listen to these stories. We listen to the stories with trying to find fault and blame and shame, as opposed to just listening to the story for information, just listening to the story to understand what the happening is, to understand where our child is at. So instead, can we listen to this story and kind of better understand the state of mind of our child? And if we can better understand the state of mind of our child, then we can learn to be more supportive to our child in these moments that are really hard. So if your child comes to you and says, you know, my friend was so mean to me, Audrey, you know, she pushed me on the playground and, and it wasn't very nice. And can we just listen? Wow. Sounds like you guys are having a rough time. What else happened? Can we gather information? Oh, she pushed you. Well, that must've hurt. I'm sorry. She pushed you. What else happened? Oh, she told everyone that you were being mean to her. Well, that's really hard. And now instead of cutting the conversation off and giving our advice and telling them, well, you need to tell Audrey that you're not going to play with her anymore because she's not very kind. Well, now you've ended the conversation. You've gained no more information. You've passed judgment that you don't like Audrey and she's not nice. And so she's not worthy of this friendship in your mind. And now we've kind of shown that we have an idea and a judgment around this situation, which to be really honest, it's none of our, I mean, I hate to say this, but it's true. It's none of our business. This situation is our child's business. It is not our business. And so unless we're talking about a situation where somebody is, you know, threatened or is in danger of some sort of hurt, it really is not our business. It's our business. It's our job to support our child, not to fix things, not to make things better and not to come at our child with some sort of adult advice. So when we say this, you know, you don't want to play with Audrey anymore because she's not very nice. You need to tell her you don't want to be her friend. We've cut off the conversation. So we no longer get to dive into our child's world and really find out what happened with Audrey, what happened before, what happened yesterday, what happened since this happened? Are they already friends again? Does our child just want to vent and be heard? So we've, we've cut that off. And now we've given our child an advice 
from someone who's a seasoned adult, who's probably dealt with a hundred situations where someone's been unkind and we know exactly what to do and exactly how to fix it. And we know what will protect ourselves. But how did we learn those things? We learned those things by having those things happen to us. So when we have those things happen to us, we learn how to navigate people. We understand when we need to cut someone out. We understand when we need to take an arm's length away. It becomes very clear what we need to do because we have 30 and 40 years of experience with people. But our child who's coming to us at six, at 10, at 14, and even at 18, they don't have that experience. And so they don't quite know how to navigate these situations yet. And us telling them how to navigate these situations isn't necessarily going to teach them how to navigate the situation because often we need to experience those things. We need to maybe be Audrey's friend for three more months and let her be mean to us before we realize we have to stand up for ourselves and we have to cut this person out of our lives. Or we learn how that Audrey had a bad day. And the next day, everything was fine and she had a bad moment and that was okay. But we have to experience those things. Our children have to experience those things in order to have good life experience. And when they have good life experience and they have someone who comes alongside and supports them, now that creates resilience and that creates good self-esteem. Now they realize I can get through hard moments. I can do it all myself. Are you looking for ways to parent without yelling or threatening? Do you crave to understand connection and how to use it in everyday practice with your children? Is remaining calm a challenge and staying away from shame hard? I can be helpful. I've been there and I've also helped so many parents overcome their parenting challenges with my one-on-one programs of either six, eight, or 10 weeks. We dive into what's specifically difficult in your own family and I tailor ways to help you remedy them using connection instead of conventional parenting methods. Go to www.peaceandparentingla.com forward slash private hyphen sessions and find out more about my private one-on-one courses. I'd love to see you there. So the other thing that happens when we give our opinion or our judgment or our solution or our fix is we're telling our child in that moment, no, I don't trust that you're going to do it right. I think that my advice and my fix and my understanding of the situation is superior. And this is the way you're going to stay out of trouble because you need me to fix your problems because you can't fix your problems yourself, which isn't true. Our children can fix their problems. They're just not going to fix them Maybe like we would fix them, but rightfully so. They're coming at a complete disadvantage. They're coming at a place where they don't have the experience we do, but that's okay. Now, the other part of it is, is that our children, we might give them this advice. They might listen to the advice and take the advice and say, yeah, you're right. I should tell her I don't want to play with her anymore. She's not very nice. But when they get to school or they get in a situation with this friend again. They might not be able to carry out the advice. They might not be able to tell Audrey to her face, like, I don't want to play with you anymore. They might not be strong enough, or they might decide in the moment, like, oh man, Audrey was so fun today. Like, I don't want to tell her. I don't want to play with her anymore. We had a great time. And if they can't carry out the advice that we've given them, 
and, and we asked them what happened. Oh, did you tell Audrey? I'm, did you tell her you don't want to be her friend anymore? Cause she wasn't nice yesterday. And our child has to say, no, I couldn't do it. Now our child might think that we think poorly of them because they weren't able to carry out this adult advice. Another thing that can happen is that when you give a child advice, they get angry. They get so mad. They get defensive and they want to fight against it or they don't want to do anything that we say and they become very contrarian. Because I think possibly in the back of their head, they're thinking, this is my problem. I can't fix my problem. Why are they telling me what to do? I just want to be heard. I just want to be listened to and understood. And I want someone to confide in. I don't want someone to fix it for me. I don't want advice. I know I can do this. So all of these situations and the way in which we come to children and try to give advice, it really ruptures the relationship we share with our kid in one way or another. They are, you know, they're not holding us in the highest regard because they think we're judging them or they think that we, we don't think they can take care of their problems or they can't adhere to our fix. Either way, in any of these situations, it slightly ruptures the relationship we share with them. It also chips away at their self-esteem and their self-resilience. And it puts doubt. Whereas this situation, when a child comes to you with a problem, could be very connective. It could be quite the opposite. In fact, you could make it a very bonding moment when your child has an issue, has a problem. When they come to you and they, and they say, I got a bad grade on my test and I'm so upset about it. Now you can go in with a lot of things like, well, did you study? Well, how I, I saw you on Friday night or Thursday night. You weren't really studying for your Friday test. I mean, do you need to study more? What else can you do to fix it? Whereas instead we could come to our children, like Esme came to me the other day and she said, I, I got a really bad grade on my test and I don't know. I was. She's really upset. And I held held space for her. I said, oh my gosh, Esme, I'm so sorry. She's like, I'm not going to get into college and it's going to be terrible and I can't get a C in math and I'm so upset. I'm right here, honey. I'm so sorry that happened to you. I totally understand. I didn't give her a way to fix it. I wanted to. I wanted to say, oh, should we call our tutor, Kyle? Should we call him and see if he's available? Do you need help? I didn't. I refrained. I kept holding space. This sounds really hard. I know you're really worried about getting into college. I understand, honey. And she cried and she really got upset and she really had a big, huge cry about it. And probably under that cries, all the stress of high school and all the stress of her thinking, I want to get into college and I don't know what to do. And I'm, I'm worried and I'm stressed. And this is big for me. And she cried a long time and I listened And I held her and I hugged her and I didn't really even say much. I was just there for her. And she came through. She came through maybe 10 minutes later and she said, well, I'm going to call Kyle and I'm going to need sessions. I need sessions every week with Kyle. And I said, well, that sounds like a good idea. Why don't you do that? And she texted Kyle right away and she's going to work on her math grade. Now, had I come in and said, well, you should call Kyle. You should really, you know, you got to get that math grade up. You know, it's hard to get into college and blah, 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 blah. Now, how am I going to make her feel about herself? What am I doing to her self-esteem and how am I helping her navigate this? It's certainly not connective. 
but coming with understanding and listening to our child's feelings is super connective. Really can help them get through their upsets, know that they're going to have a really hard time in life. And those hard times are not going to take them down because they can be listened to by their family. They can be understood and they can be seen and they can be heard. And as they get older, they won't need it so much because their self-esteem will be so big. And so they'll be, have so much resilience that they'll be able to get through on their own because they understand my feelings are important and they're valid and I can have them and it's okay to have them because I know they're not going to take me down. So my advice for you is don't give your kid advice. <laughs> so contradictory. I'm going to give you advice about how not to give advice. But you're, if you're listening to this podcast, then you're almost asking for advice, right? Which is a whole nother podcast about when our children ask for advice. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll touch on that one next time. But I would say be a good listener, be empathic, be understanding, let them come up with their own solutions. They will get there. They're smart kids, these kids. They understand what to do. Their brain will get them there. If you can get them back online, if you can get the prefrontal cortex back engaged, if you can get them to a good place after they've had their big cry or their big upset or their big tantrum, they will come back online and figure out how to fix this for themselves. And then you can just be the supportive counselor creating lots of connection. Okay, I hope that was helpful. Thank you for joining the Peace and Parenting podcast. I'm so glad you guys are here and I would love to hear from you. If you have a moment, please write a review or email me and let me know what you think of the podcast. Sometimes I think I'm just out here talking to myself. So I would love to hear from you and thank you for following along and you can find me on Instagram or Facebook and even on YouTube. All right, see you next time. Want to get more connection and lead a more connected life with your kids? Do you want less struggles and more calm? Download my free guide and learn how to get started on your connected journey today. Go to peaceandparentingla.com forward slash connected hyphen parenting or go to the show notes and download it today.